all these tech, all these phones that we are addicted to, as much as a problem they are, I also wish that I would have had one when I was a tour guide. We didn't really take so many pictures at the time, did we? Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. I have a wonderful guest today. I am so happy that she's taking the time to speak to me because she's a busy lady and she has a very long name. Maria Montserrat Ituralde Hamlin, but I know her as Monette. And um, I just want to talk a little bit about her first. She is a women leader. She is an entrepreneur, a mentor, mother ducky. I want to know more about that later on. And a domestic goddess. I love that. But she's the founder and president of Team Asia, which is a 29-year-old award-winning integrated marketing experience firm that builds brands through branding and design, digital marketing, content marketing, events and activation, video production. Oh my God, that's a lot of stuff, Monette. You are a chairwoman of the Women's Business Council of the Philippines, the chairwoman of Hopkins International Partners. You are the Vice President for Conventions of the Philippine Association of Conventions and Exhibition Organizers. And one thing that attracted me even more, because it's called Most Memorable Journey, is you, you served on the tourism uh, promotion boards as a di director representing MICE and, um, for three years. So that's another thing that I want to talk to you about, because you sent me some videos and I saw some. I mean, I've been to the Philippines once for a very, very short time. And when I looked at those, it is so beautiful. Welcome, Monette. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you for taking the time. And you just told me that happy it's your company's birthday today. Yes, it is. We're celebrating 29 years ago. I can't believe I gave birth to this baby called Team Asia. But first of all, many, many, many thanks, Queen Elizabeth, for inviting me here. When you said, come, I said, absolutely, yes. <laughs> You're one of the women that I really look up to. Oh, well, it, it definitely works both ways. I think there is a lot more to look up to on your side, but uh, that we don't compare. We never compare ourselves to other people, do we? No, we just are happy with our lives and we share that happiness with others. Exactly, exactly. So let's go back a little bit. 29 years ago, you started Team Asia, but you did a lot of stuff before you started Team Asia. And as far as I remember, you started Team Asia in Hong Kong, right? That's correct. Um, before I started Team Asia in Hong Kong, that was in uh, 1992, I had already been working for 10 years with a publishing company called World Executives Digest. And I had for 10 years grown up from you know, starting as a management trainee all the way to associate publisher. And the favorite part of, I, of my job, although I was in charge of marketing the magazine throughout Asia, the favorite part was actually organizing an Asian management awards. It was a regional awards program in six different countries. So that actually started my love for traveling because I was exposed to six different countries that I had to go to several times to organize this big awards program. Aside from that, of course, marketing the magazine, I had to go around. So there, plus there's a, you know, that's how I fell in love with, with my husband. We were falling in love in each of those countries we were visiting before we got married. <laughs> Which were so anyway, those six countries? 
Okay, so that's, of course, the Philippines. Then we had Singapore, Indonesia, Thailand, Hong Kong, and Malaysia. Wow. And uh, this was for the Asian Institute of Management, where I had taken up my graduate studies. At that time, I was associate publisher of the magazine. And Mike, my late husband, I'm a widow now, as you know, um, Mike was then vice president for AIM. And so we came uh, we are up with the idea of uh, improving the visibility of this institute by having a regional awards program and which better group to partner with than with a publishing company. So WED, where I was working, and AIM worked together, and we did this regional awards program for two years. But then my company was bought by an American company, and I was fired, Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> All of us who were at the top rung got kicked out, and they said, we're going to put in our own people. So I was out of a job. In the same week that I was filing for annulment from my first husband, I had, I had two beautiful daughters with him. But the marriage didn't work. And in the same week, being fired, getting annulment, and my mom gets run over by a car. So I had all of these problems in one week. I said, how am I going to survive? But then AIM came to me and said, Monette, you're the only one who's run this regional awards program successfully. Can you run it for us? Because they didn't want to work with a new company. And so I did. I set up the company in Hong Kong at the prodding of Mike. At that time, Queen Elizabeth, I had no money. And I said, how am I going to do a regional program in six different countries? It is so expensive to travel. But Mike said, you know, Monette, just do what you do best. Concentrate on it and the money will follow. And it did. That is so, so, so true. Um, I was fired by a company that uh, didn't appreciate me. Very similar. I had helped them come back. They had had some problems and I had helped them, uh, you know, come back a little bit to life. And uh, because I got some attention, some of the owners didn't like it. So they fired me. And thank God they did, because I don't think otherwise I would be in Cyprus. I wouldn't have come back here. So there is a reason for everything. I absolutely agree. When there's an ending, it's actually the beginning of Always. a beautiful part of the journey. Don't you think so? Totally, totally. And that's why, you know, sometimes when we have, when we feel like, oh my God, this is ending and it's, the world is ending for me, it mean, it actually means a new world is opening at the same time. And of course, you know, as I always say, opportunities appear, but we have to see them. Sometimes people don't see opportunities um, because I believe that we all have the same amount of opportunities. It's just seeing them and taking them. Yes, definitely. It's keeping our eyes open and our ears on the ground. Yeah. To actually, see. sometimes the gift is already in front of our eyes and we don't see it. Yeah, yeah. There is a thing, Dr. Wayne Dyer said something. He said that when we are born, we all get a beautiful box of gifts. And some of us never even touch the wrapping paper. Oh, I think it's beautiful. Yes, it's sad, but it's beautiful at the same time. And I know that you have definitely opened the box. (laughs) I'm very curious. (laughs) (laughs) So are you, my dear. So let's talk about travel again. When was your first flight? Do you remember your first flight? Oh, yes, definitely. Out of the Philippines, I was nine years old at the time. And my father brought all of us, five children, my mom, back to Spain. You see, my mom's Spanish. And my dad kidnapped her 
married her. She was just 19 then. He was 34. Brought her over to the Philippines where they had five children in succession. And then he had promised my grandmother that he would bring her back with the kids. And so that was the first trip. And we went to Spain and Portugal and France. And uh, we had a side trip as well to Thailand and Hong Kong. Oh, my God. So your mom was 19 years old and came to live in the Philippines before yes. she had never been there before. Never been, didn't speak a word of Filipino or English. Your dad obviously spoke Spanish, I would imagine. Oh, yes. He was taking up his doctorate uh, in law in ah. Spain. In That's how they met. Uh, she was um, an apprentice uh, at the the boarding house where he was staying near the Universidad Central de Madrid. And that's how, how they met. amazing. How amazing. So what language? I mean, I know that your mom lives with you. I think you live in, do you live in the same house? Yes, she's with me now. Thank goodness. Do you speak Spanish together? Yes, we speak Spanish. We're a multilingual family. We speak English, Filipino, Spanish. When my dad was alive, he died when I was 10. Uh, we spoke Chinese as well because uh, my father was partly Chinese, but I forgot it already. Okay, fine. But you do, you know, you, you, it actually sounds like us because I'm from Switzerland. My husband is from Cyprus. Our kids went to an English school. So we were, there's three languages involved all the time. It's natural. Yes. Amazing. So you went to Spain, you were nine years old. And do you remember anything of these trips, of this trip? Do you yes, like... I just remember that it was so cold. I've never <laughs> felt before. You know, the Philippines only has dry and wet. And yeah, so that tropical. Was the snow, snow, and I was freezing. I was crying. It's so cold. <laughs> I remember that very, very well. I also remember that when we went to France, I felt that they're a bit snobbish. Because they were paying more attention to their pet dogs than to the kids. And they kept telling us, shh. <laughs> <laughs> and you were probably allowed a lot because we were, you were five children. So uh, they told you to be quiet. Right. Oh, and another thing, because we were a big group. So we were traveling and uh, there was always red wine and white wine on the table. And as kids, we didn't know what that was, except that it was multicolored. <laughs> and it tasted good. So... <laughs> My brother and I kept drinking and drinking, and then we got drunk. Huh? My mom, who was the smaller kids, was walking, and someone said, Senora, Senora, your kids, they're singing. And we were singing the sound of music in to the loudest of our voices while we were walking down the street. Oh my God, I wish that you don't have any footage of that. You know, I mean, as much as our, all these tech, all these phones that we are addicted to, as much as a problem they are, I also wish that I would have had one when I was a tour guide. And I'm sure you wish you would have had some of that, uh, you know, maybe a little video of those experiences. We didn't really take so many pictures at the time, did we? No, and it was very expensive, right? If you yeah. recall... Just having it uh, printed and... Yeah, because you had to, you know, if you had 30 pictures on a film and 29 were not good, you still had to pay for them. True. 
So yeah. that is amazing. And then uh, do you have like a, a, a favorite travel experience in your life? Is there like, what is your, because it's called, my podcast is called The Most Memorable Journey. What is your most memorable journey? Oh my goodness, that is so hard to choose because so many beautiful memories all over. Tell me, a few, tell me a few. You, could, you don't have to choose one. Okay. Well, I told you that I, Mike, my, my second husband, and who became my, the partner and father of my youngest, Niccolo, we were working together on this Asian Management Awards program. We were not married yet at the time. But since we had to do it in six different countries, in each country that we went to, it was like we were exploring and getting to know each other as business partners. And it was an awesome play, awesome time to just have all of these experiences, taste all of this special food. You know, Thai food is so different from food in Indonesia, Chinese food in Hong Kong, and all of that. Plus, uh, it was just a wonderful experience falling in love in all of those places. But my husband died um, almost nine years ago in March next year. And my kids, before lockdown uh, happened, brought me year 2019, July, and said, Mom, let's go to Europe. We go as a family like every two years uh, or overseas to far places. And I said, why go there? It's, it's July. Why don't we go when it's cooler? They said, oh, Mom, we're working, you know. That's the only time we're all ready and available. So I said, sure, okay. So we went. We went to first to France. And when we were in France, on the last day, we said, Mom, we're going to have a road trip. I said, where are we going to? And they said, we're going to this place. And when we did, we went to the this place, the lavender fields. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, my see God. The lavender yes. yes. So they brought me there, and it was such a wonderful experience. The whole fields was full of lavender and the smell. And you know why it was so important to me? Because after my, my husband died, I missed him so much, and I kept crying and saying, why don't you show yourself to me, even in dreams? Please, please, please. And one day he did. And it was in a beautiful field of lavender flowers. And he said, I will meet you here. Aww. And we will be happy. And when we went there, that was the only time I realized that it was my husband's birthday. Oh, my we God. We there on July 15. My kids had planned the whole thing. You see, the, the lavender fields, actually, they don't bloom the whole year. No, so no, my, they don't. So my kids really planned this out for when the fields are blooming and, and it was my husband's birthday. That was a beautiful, beautiful and memorable gift for me. Wow, that is definitely very memorable. That is amazing. Tell me more. You have more. <laughs> more trips, yes, <laughs> definitely. More most um, memorable trips. Well, I'm Catholic, so it's always been a dream of mine to go to the Vatican and to see the Pope. And um, two trips ago to Europe, my kids uh, planned this trip that we would go to Rome, but um, to, we went around Italy. But on the very first day of the trip, I fall and oh, I no. can't walk. Anymore. So I was hobbling. I had the cane, etc. So I thought, okay, I'm not, never going to see this Vatican anymore. 
But my son decided, no, mom, you're here. You're going to see it. And he made all of the arrangements for us to happen. The other thing during that particular trip, another dream of mine was to see Vesuvius. You see, as a young child, I'd always been enamored by the idea of this huge volcano exploding and, you know, all of these people who become mummified. And I'd wanted to see it. And again, hobbling, I went to Vesuvius <laughs> and saw that place. Those things are memorable that you're able to, you know, get over the different challenges. But, you know, I talk about traveling overseas, but there's so much more to travel in the Philippines. I was going to come to that. I, we, are, we will talk about that because after I've seen those videos, I can't get over. I knew how beautiful it is, but I mean, I was, I was, I was, I watched them again and again. Um, just before we go to the Philippines, out of those six countries that you mentioned that you were doing the awards, which one do you, which, which one is your favorite, apart from the Philippines, out of those Asian countries and why? Hong Kong. Hong Kong. I love Hong Kong. That's where I got married to Mike. And it was a beautiful experience. We went to the top of the peak and that's where we had our very intimate uh, wedding ceremony, uh, wedding dinner. Our wedding ceremony was actually down uh, at the Cotton Tree Drive, the marriage registry. And um, I don't know if I've told you about this. I've actually written a book on Mike. No. Can you see? Okay. Yes. So this is a book that I wrote on Mike when he died. And uh, so it captures all the wonderful memories of our trips. Maybe I should send you a copy. Yeah, and, uh, maybe you should. <laughs> I'll send you a copy of mine. I, I, I definitely will send you a copy of the Soul Kit. But um, because I love Hong Kong, our my daughter did an, um, an internship in Hong Kong. She studied at the Lausanne Hotel School and she did her first internship at the W Hotel in Hong Kong. So I have been there not long ago. It was in, when did we go? 2016. And uh, I love Hong Kong as well. I feel you. How do you go off? How far are the Philippines from Hong Kong? How long is the flight from Manila to Hong Kong? Well, just a little over an hour, actually. It's quite close. Okay. So, you know, for, for us, for me, all those places are far away. But uh, when you are within Asia, you are, um, it's, you know, it's, it's like flying for me to Athens or to, to Rome or to, it's, it's a different thing. Let's talk about the Philippines. Of course. This is a beautiful country of over 7,000 islands. And each island has something special for the visitor. You've been here. Where did you go? I went Elizabeth? to I went to Cebu. Cebu. Okay. Cebu is in the middle of the Philippines. The Philippines is made up of actually three big occupations: Luzon, Visayas, and Mindanao. And uh, Visayas, the center, is the center of the center of biodiversity. Did you know about this, Elizabeth? No. Uh, for the enthusiasts uh, who love to go diving. This center of the center of biodiversity is really something that they should come to. Why? This means that throughout the entire world, it is in this part of the world where you have the most marine life, the most variety of marine life. And so that is something that uh, people come here to see. And uh, so many things have been written, especially people who love uh, photography, marine photography. They come here for that. So that Cebu is also the cradle of Christianity of the Philippines. This is where we were sort of discovered by Magellan. You know, at that time, the Europe was the 
the leader, the rulers of the world, of the then old world, and we were the new world. We were trying to explore. It's so funny that you're mentioning Magellan because I was talking about him in my last episode because I had gone to Lisbon. He was Portuguese, Magellan, wasn't he? Yes, he was Portuguese, but he served the Spanish queen. That's and right. And so he came here, and uh, Cebu was where um, he he actually put down that we had the first mass of the Philippines was here. And uh, that's where it all started. You know, the Philippines was 300 years in a convent, meaning we were under Spain for 300 years. And then the Americans came and then we were 30 years uh, with Hollywood. <laughs> that's an interesting combination. Before we gained our independence. So that's the story of the Philippines. We are very prudish. But we are also very liberated. That's so funny because it's a very, it's a really an interesting combination of being in a convent for 300 years and then and turning into Hollywood. That's a big step. <laughs> yes, true. Where would you go? Where is your favorite place in the Philippines? I would say that would be Palawan. Palawan uh, is a place where my family would, and we would all go every year from the time my son was three all the way till Mike died. So we would spend uh, three, four days there in a place called Club Paradise. So Club Paradise is an island in Palawan. And there it's, you have the whole island to yourself and it's beautiful. And uh, you can go swimming around the entire island. You can go canoeing, you can dive, you can uh, snorkel. Uh, you can do mountain climbing because there, there is a hill over there. The food is fantastic. The water is like powder. I mean, the water, the sand. The is sand, like yeah. Powder. And the, the crystal clear blue water. So it's, it's a beautiful place. Plus, not many people know this, just a uh, banka or a small boat ride away. There is an island where we have a lot of animals from Africa. So you can actually go and pet a giraffe. That's amazing. How? Why? How come it's like a zoo? Or were they brought? Is, is there a story about that? There is a story at the time that we were under the Marcuses. Um, their, their son, Bong Bong, decided that he wanted to have the animals here in the Philippines where ah. he could do his own hunting. Oh, I see. And brought over the animals. And so this place has become a... Uh, sort of a place for them. The reserve. Their habitat, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking when I was looking at those videos and when I was, I don't think the Philippines are advertised enough in Europe. What is your main tourism? Uh, where are your main tourists coming from? What, what where are they from? The majority that we get are um, actually Chinese and Koreans. So from nearby Asian countries. Yeah. Now from Europe, I believe um, we get a smattering of Spaniards, Spanish and uh, Italians, but not so many. Australia, we do have a bigger group that comes over. And of course, Americans. But a lot of the travel that comes back here are what you call the OFWs or the Balik Bayans. Because as you know, the Philippines has been exporting its uh, it's human nature. It's human resources. Yeah. So we have over a million Filipinos overseas and they come back. They come home for a visit. And so they 
you know, they are actually the ambassadors of our country. So the places where they go to, they get to know about the Philippines and they come here. Amazing. Amazing. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I definitely I will come and visit because uh, the, at the last, I mean, when I went in Cebu, that was, I don't know, 1983 or something. It's a long, long time ago. And I was just stopping over coming from somewhere. And I, I, I knew somebody there who had done the tour guiding training with me. And I just I didn't see anything. It was I was just on the beach. You know, when you're 23 years old, you're not really very much interested in culture and uh, and uh, natural beauty. It's just beach and and I don't know, beach and alcohol, probably. Doesn't sound very enticing, but <laughs> there's a lot of culture here. There's a lot of culture I know. Yes, I've seen that, and I, I I'm fascinated. So um, it looks very inviting. Now, what else did I want to ask you? I wanted to ask you. I ask that all my guests. If you had to go on a deserted island for a week and you could only take two things with you, what would it be? Hmm. Assuming there's internet, I'll bring my laptop. <laughs> it's either my laptop or my mobile phone because that still gives me, it's open to the world and I can remain in contact with them. But I would also bring my painting material. Okay. Do you paint a lot? In my free time, I do, which is not, as you know, there is what we call time poverty. Mm-hmm. because of so much work. So whenever I get those free moments in time, then I do paint, yes. And that does that relax you? It does very, very much. Okay. I've noticed another thing about you because uh, we are connected on social media. There is a lot of cooking going on in your house. Is there? <laughs> well, actually, that is some, uh, it's a passion that has resurfaced, actually, because of the lockdown, because we're here at home, and uh, I don't have any more outside help who can come in. So I'm left to do the cooking. And so that's why in my resume, I said domestic goddess, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's what I learned, that I have to be a domestic goddess, and I have to make it interesting for my family, because I, I equate food with travel. And so what I do so that my children are interested, our kid, you know, make them happy is that I do different cuisines. And uh, for each of those cuisines, then we get to talk about the travels that we've done to those places. So I do, I do Thai, I do Indonesian, I do Chinese, I do French, Italian, Spanish, Korean, and um, Well, I have never been to the Middle East, but I've been trying there's this cookbook as well as Indian food. I have never been to India. That's another thing on my bucket list. But I'm sort of adventurous that way and and creative in a sense uh, because during lockdown, you can't really access so much of the ingredients. So you're left with what's in your pantry. So each day I open the pantry and say, okay, what do I have today? And what are we going to dream up today? So that's it. And I think um, my kids enjoy going around the world during mealtimes. That's a beautiful way of, uh, uh, you know, of, of, of just 
traveling down memory lane by eating the food that uh, of the places that you've been to. This is probably also the, this is the main reason why I started a podcast because when I couldn't travel anymore at the beginning of the lockdown, I thought that I, I was missing a limb. I felt like, oh my God, what am I going to do? But then I thought if I cannot travel, I might as well talk about it. So, um, and this is what we're doing here. And I have been speaking to so many people about their trips and they suddenly remember things that they, they had forgotten. I think it's memories are something that nobody will ever be able to take away from us. I think money spent on trips is well spent money. Definitely. I totally agree with you there. It's the memories that, you know, make us happy. That's yes. the true richness that we have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, most memorable journeys. And as you know, that all our journeys are going to end one day because there is only one sure thing in life and that is that we our life ends with death and i want you to tell me what would you like to hear about yourself at the end of your earthly journey i would love to hear my family say mom was the best that for me would be the most important because um i felt that you know they were God's gift to me and I really wanted to make it matter because they could bring that to their kids. But also, um, I do a lot for women. My advocacy is for women economic empowerment. And I feel that um, it would be great if women would say, Monette inspired me, Monette helped me become who I am or helped me you know, get out from the rut that I was in or help me get over this challenge or inspire me to break barriers. So that would make me very, very happy. Yeah, we know each other because of the Global Woman Club. And we also know each other because of lovely Rayla, who is the director of the Global Woman Club Manila. And there is, as we always say, there is no coincidence. That's how we, we met. And we also had, we once had a clubhouse room together. Well, it's always great when you're showing up, you know. <laughs> <We were talking. laughs> I always look for you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think the thing about empowering women, and um, I, I, I definitely know I can tell you that already, and I hope you will live another many, many healthy years. Um, there, the women will be saying what you want to hear because you have done a lot for women empowerment. You have done a lot for, uh, you know, inspired women because it's not only about talking about it. I think you have done a lot to give women opportunities also to work. I mean, you've got a company with, I don't remember, somewhere I was watching a video, you employ 60 people. Yes. Well, it was about 100 before, but, you know, times are different now. Okay, that will come back. It's going to change. I think, personally, I have, in the last couple of weeks, I have become very hopeful. I think we are on the, on the maybe, I don't know, the fourth, uh, you know, we're on the, on the way out. I think it's getting better. We will be out of this soon. I know that we will be. I've, you know, I've been around for quite a long time and I've seen life go up and down their yeah. circles. What I know is that any problem that you have, there's always a tomorrow and there's always a solution. You may be down now, but you're going to get up there as well. So I have full confidence. But in the meantime, it's important to keep safe and to take care of the people around you. Contribute, you know, 
one of the sad things is that I hear a lot of people not wanting to even be vaccinated because they're so scared of, of injections. And I feel that um, we really need to be able to protect ourselves. I agree. And, you know, I, I know that vaccinations are their own worst enemy because, you know, people don't realize what vaccinations have done. Polio, for example, I'm a Rotarian and, and uh, uh, Rotary together with Bill Gates and many other um, uh, associations have practically eradicated polio. But, you know, sometimes I wonder if there were some crippled children begging outside our supermarkets, if people would maybe change their minds about vaccination, because vaccination has stopped that. I know. We need to get the word out about the positive um, yes. contribution to vaccination. And uh, certain things, just, I mean, I, when I was a tour guide, I had to be vaccinated to go to Africa, I had to be vaccinated to go to India. I went to work in the Maldives. I never, I never questioned it because it was just a prerequisite and it was fine and I'm still alive. True, true. So, Bonette, any last words? Because we're getting to the end of this podcast. Is there anything else that, that you would like to tell me? One of the wonderful things that I've been following you on is this thing on accepting your age and aging gracefully, growing gracefully. And um, I really feel a lot of kinship in that. Um, I've let my hair grow gray. I've uh, decided I will uh, accept who I am. And actually, it's been quite liberating. And to at this time say, yes, I've been there. I've, been, I've done that. And I, I can continue to have. Um, contribution to society and to women and I don't need to color my hair for that. I am not quite ready for that yet but I am thinking about <laughs> it <laughs> but um, yeah I mean aging growing gracefully I think you always have to think of the alter what's the alternative? The alternative is not being here anymore and we are here and we still have a lot to do and we're going to do going to have still have going to have a lot of fun in our lives. I can see the twinkle in your eyes. So um, let's go continue doing what you're do what we are doing, empowering each other and other women and other people and have fun. So true. So true. And you'll continue being my idol. Oh, come on. It works both <laughs> ways. <laughs> so Monette, I want to thank you for this time that you've taken. I want to thank you for being who you are. You're beautiful. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And um, I hopefully we will meet in the Philippines. Or since you said that you haven't been to the Middle East, maybe we should go to Lebanon together. I want, Beirut is one of my favorite towns in the world. Oh, wow. I've never even considered Beirut. Now I have to add another place to my bucket list. Yes, yeah, see, let's meet in Beirut. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Thank you so much, my dears. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes. <laughs>